I've been, I've been speaking something over our staff this last couple of weeks and over the, the worship team before we began today, and it's, it's this. Here's something I believe that the enemy is trying to do in this body. The enemy is trying to bring an intimidating spirit into your life to get you to think that you are not worthy or that you're not good enough. He's trying to jack with your confidence is what he's trying to do. And listen, we, we in church, we get confused on this issue of confidence because we see confidence a lot of times as arrogance. We see somebody that's very confident, we go, boy, they're really an arrogant person. Listen, if I ever think that I'm better than somebody else, that's arrogance. But when I understand who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm confident in that, that's confidence. And listen, what we look at a lot of times is our behavior, our circumstances, our situations, and we don't really recognize that what we're doing sometimes is not actually who we are. We sometimes, even though we're righteous, we don't always act righteous. And what we've got to begin to understand is we've got to begin to understand who we are and let that thing be our confidence. And so I want to pray over you today because I believe that in 2018, this is a breakout year for a lot of you, that that there are many of you that you are way ahead of the rest of your family. I mean, your walk with God is amazing compared to the rest of your family, and it's very easy for you to kind of go, I've arrived. Listen, God is constantly doing new things, trying to take us to new levels, so there's deeper revelation of Him, so that we grow in our understanding of Him, so that more abundant things start happening in our life. So whether your year last year was bad or your your year last year was good, we recognize that this is a new year, we're going to do new things, and you've got to understand that God has an amazing destiny on your life. I don't care what's happened in the past, good, bad, or ugly, God has an amazing destiny on your life, and we want to walk in the fullness of life, but you're going to have to silence the lies of the enemy. When he's japping in your ear, you need to tell him to shut up, all right? And we don't say that word in my house to anybody but the devil, all right? But we will tell him to shut up because he needs to stop speaking into our life and us buying into those lies. So I want to pray over you today. Father, I pray right now against every lying, intimidating spirit that's coming into people's lives that is messing with them in the area of their marriage, their finances, the call and purpose on their life, their health, whatever it might be, God, today. I pray today, Father, that they would learn to take those thoughts captive, as your word says, and make it obedient unto Christ. Lord, that they would recognize, God, that you have an amazing plan for their life. There's an amazing destiny that the enemy wants to keep them from. And Lord, I pray today that they would recognize the lies of the enemy, God, and that they would stand in the fullness of life that you have for them today. Lord, that they wouldn't get content where they're at, but God, they would continue to seek after you and want every Everything that you have for them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 You may be seated today. I want to really encourage you just to kind of keep walking in that. Um, recognizing that the enemy is constantly trying to bring destruction into your life and keep taking authority over that. Amen. Hey, I want to continue in our <coughs> series today of new beginnings. I love the beginning of a year. Y'all love the beginning of a year? You know, it's kind of a year. Y'all love the beginning of a year? Now, y'all know church is about call and response, right? I say things, y'all amen me or oh me me, whatever you want to do. But it's about call and response. It's about us engaging, not sitting by, kind of just going through the motions of church. So don't y'all love New Year's? Year of new beginnings? And how many of you, you make New Year's resolutions? Uh, seriously, if you, you, you kind of make them. Can I get you to hold your hand up? Just a few of us. Okay. That's a, that's a little disappointing, and I, I think the reason why is sometimes we're taught against making New Year's resolutions, because for most New Year's resolutions, you start out in January with lots of hope, 
lots of expectation. This is going to be the year that I'm going to do X, whatever it would be. And you start off, and then you kind of begin to peter out after a while. You just get a little tired, and okay, I just, I just give up, and you don't do it. One of the things I believe about being a follower of Jesus Christ, and I think that it applies really to all areas of our life, is that it really is not about perfection, it's about direction. All right, so as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm following after him. It's not about me being perfect as I'm following after him. But it is about me following after him. It's about the direction of me following after him. Because what happens is, let's just say our New Year's resolution was I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to get up in the morning, going to pray and read your Bible. Every, anybody ever done that New Year's resolution? You get up, first morning, man, you read 27 chapters in the Bible. You prayed for 30 hours in that day. Even though there's only 24, that's just how long you prayed as you were praying for that day. And you do that for the first day. And then the second day, it's only you read 20 chapters. And then you only pray for 15 hours. And then, then you read two chapters and you only pray for five minutes and then you miss a day and then you don't pray and you don't pray and suddenly you're going, you know, I just can't do it, right? I'm out, I'm out, I, I can't do it. Listen, it's not about perfection, it's about direction. So listen, if you've made a New Year's resolution, I'm gonna have a quiet time. I wanna spend time with God. I wanna prioritize God at the beginning of my day so that I can get into his word, let his word get into me, get into his presence and let his presence get into me because I want him to be guiding my day. If I miss it, so what? Seriously, some of you just need to know that. So what? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So every day you get up, it's a brand new day. Yesterday really did end last night. All the, all the good, the bad, the ugly things in your past are in your past. How many of you really believe that? We say we believe that, but yet in reality, we act like it's still who we are. We've, we've struggled in our marriage for years. I'm never going to have a good marriage. We've struggled with health issues for long periods of time. I'm never going to be healthy. We've, we grew up in a poor home, or, and we're now poor. We're, we're dealing with financial issues. And I talk about the issue of God's desire to prosper us. And we believe I'm never going to be able to be prosperous. And the reason is, is because we have allowed our past to dictate our future. But listen, today is the first day of the rest of your life. God has created inside of you. You are a creative genius. Some of you need to know that you are a creative genius. And I'm not talking about you being able to necessarily create um, abstract art or anything like that. But today you can create a new day. You can create a new day. You can create a new way in your life. Look, look at what God says in Isaiah chapter 43. He says, see... I am doing a new thing. God every day wants to do a new thing. That's why the enemy wants you to come in and sit during worship and just kind of coast during worship. Heard this song before. I've, I've sang this song before. That song doesn't really work for my life. And we just end up coasting through worship rather than really engaging in worship. A, a new lead singer, Caleb, leads a song today. And we don't even think about what we're singing. All we're thinking about, I wonder how long that guy's been here. He's got a great voice. I real, man, I like, the way, I, like, I like the way he dresses. Look at he rolls up his pants on the bottom. <laughs> he is a really stylish kind of guy. And we miss the point of why we've gathered together. We haven't gathered here today to be impressed by anything but Jesus. I'm serious. And that's why I'm, I'm, 
I prayed with my brother before I got here because all week long the enemy's been jacking with his confidence. The enemy's been jacking with my staff's confidence. I know the enemy is constantly jacking with all of our confidence. And we need to recognize it's a new day. Anything we missed a mark on in the past is in the past. That's why he goes on to say, actually, if you back up a couple of verses, because he's a God of new beginnings, he says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I believe that God gives us the revelation of how we forget the former things is we choose not to dwell on the past. I guarantee you, every person in this room has been hurt by somebody. Every person in this room, I can say that with confidence with, without one exception here today. Everybody has been hurt by somebody. Listen, that thing is not in your past if it is still affecting your today's decisions and your tomorrow's decisions. And the only way that you're going to forget the former things is if you stop dwelling on the past. So what that means is the enemy is going to remind you of the way people failed you. He's going to remind you of the way people hurt you. He's going to remind you of churches that let you down. He's going to be nonstop bringing accusations into your life. And what we have to do is we have to forget the former things by not dwelling on those things. Those things are going to pop into your mind for a while. They are. They're going to pop into your mind. At that moment, you are faced with a decision and a choice. Am I going to dwell on the past or am I going to let go of the past? What's in the past, we all said earlier, really is in the past. Doesn't mean that we're not going to have to deal with some issues from the past, but we learn how to take those thoughts captive and say, you know what, I've had some people hurt me, doesn't mean that I'm going to allow that person to decide my future. I've had some, some people say some ugly things about me and, and say that I am less than when the word of God says that I am more than. I, at that moment, I've, I have a choice. Am I going to dwell on the past? They don't think I'm good enough. They don't think I'm able. They don't think I'm capable. Or am I going to say, God, I thank you that your word says that I am more than a conqueror. That I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the country. I love saying that over you. I know I say it a lot, but I want you to hear it. Because sometimes we just hear it here, but we're still not hearing it here. That God is absolutely for you today. And if he is for you, who can be against you? There's no devil in hell, no person in your life that can stop the plan and purpose of God on your life. you got to hear this today. You are the only one that can stop it. And we simply stop it by not following after Christ. Continuing to pursue him. Continuing to learn how to press into him. So he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. We need to learn how to live a life of faith. How do we do that? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Every time you get a chance, you're in service because you're going to hear the word of God. Every time the enemy brings up an accusation that contradicts what you know to be true in the word of God, you're going to start saying the word of God over your life so that you're not only thinking it, you're now saying it, you're actually hearing the word of God. And that's what's going to cause faith to stand up inside of you. I'm telling you, it's the most amazing thing in the world. There are things that I used to believe about myself, but when I begin to stand on the word of God and begin to speak the word of God, even before I actually believed it yet, when I began to speak those things into my life, suddenly I now believe what the word of God says and not the former things that I used to believe. We've got to make a choice that we're going to live a life of faith. So we've got to grow in our faith and we have to exercise our faith. 
It's not enough for you just to hear it from me and walk out and think that you're going to be more than a conqueror. You're not fighting for victory today. You're fighting from a position of victory. But there's an enemy that's coming against you because he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy everything that you're all about today. But you've got to understand that if God is for us, who can be against us? You're fighting from a position of victory. Listen, what we have to do is we have to decide that we're going to become a follower of Jesus not just a fan of Jesus. I said this last week, but there are too many Christians that are just a fan of Jesus. Way to go, Jesus. Thank you for doing that for me. And then we are not still following after him on the path that he has for us. So make a decision in 2018. I'm not gonna put, I'm I'm not gonna just work Jesus into my life. He's gonna be at the center of my life. My life's gonna revolve around the things of God. Not around soccer, not around sports, not around my job, not around my friends. Jesus is going to be at the center of my life. I'm going to prioritize him. First and best goes to him, not the leftovers. I'm going to become a follower. In fact, we believe that God has an amazing plan for your life. Does anybody believe that today? Listen, God has an amazing plan and vision for your life. That's why we've organized this church around that vision and plan that God has for your life. The first thing that God wants you to do is to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to come to know him if you don't know him. But once you come to know him, he wants you to know him. How many of you, you know some people and then you know some people? You know, there's some people that you know that you kind of met them and and you kind of know who they are. There's other people that they can walk into a room and the moment you see them, you can tell what's going on in their life. You can tell that they're doing well. You can tell that they're dealing with some issues because you know them. That's what God wants is for us to know him. That's what he wants. The second thing he wants is for us to find freedom. God wants you to walk in freedom today. There's no area of your life that God wants you to be held bondage to. Not one area whatsoever. And how we do that is through our small groups. In fact, that's going to be the focus of today's message is our, is our small groups. We do that because we start growing with one another. We, we start developing relationships. And when we start developing relationships, we get free from some past issues. When you get some people in your life that you know love you, you're going to allow them to speak into your life that are going to help you with some blind spots, some areas in your life to help you walk in the fullness of life that God has for you. Third thing is God wants you to discover your purpose. He wants you to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God does not make junk. I don't know if you're like me, but I've spent a lot of my life wanting to be like someone else. If I just, man, if I just look like them, if, if I just had thinner legs until I discovered my wife li- likes my big legs, <laughs> if I just had that head of hair that that person has, right? If, if, I, if I just had that personality that I could speak like them, if I was just, and I had to recognize, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm getting more and more confident about who I am. You've got to dis- discover your design. That God's created you for a purpose, which is the fourth thing that we make a difference. Once we begin to understand the purpose that God's created us for, we get plugged into the life blood of the body of Jesus Christ and we make a difference in the world that God's placed us in God never called any of us to come and just sit in the pew or in the chair in our church sorry I dated myself a little bit come sit in the chair 
He called you and I to be actively involved to make a difference, not only just in the services and things going on at the church, but out into our community, that we are a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. So four steps we want to do. So today I want to talk about small groups, and and I know that it can seem a little bit sometimes like the church is messed up. Y'all ever been in a messed up church? Most of us have. And the, the reason is, is because we have a tendency to think of the church as the, the, the organization, the, the structure. But the church is actually who we are. And, and that's why a lot of times it's messed up. Because I'm in it. And because you're in it. And because we're in it sometimes, it, it gets a little bit jacked up. Because, listen, we all need relationships. You may not recognize that, especially to the introverts that are here today. You might think that I'm totally fine by myself. We all need relationships. First of all, with God, and then with one another. So that all of us can reach our full potential in Christ. God wants you to reach your full potential. Have you ever looked at your life and go, I think my life was destined for more than what I'm doing right now? What's going on in my life right now? We're all, we need relationships for us to reach our full potential. I'm so thankful for my beautiful wife. She gave blown kisses at me for those of you that couldn't see that. I'm so thankful for her, but because she's in my life, she has influenced my life. I am naturally a task-driven person. In fact, if on a Sunday morning I walk past you and I didn't say hi to you, it's typically because I am naturally wired to be focused on tasks. So I'm on my way to accomplish the task is the way that I'm wired. That's awesome because I get some things done. But it's not complete. But having my wife in my life has helped me to expand more to my full potential. I was on staff at a church one time, and I was busy walking around doing all of my tasks, all the important things that I needed to get done on Sunday. And so I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, making sure this is happening, and this is happening, all these different things. And my my wife comes up to me, she kind of flags me down, you know, like, whoa, whoa, slow down here, Richie, whoa. She gets me kind of by the face, looks me right in the face, and says, hey, they just want to talk to you. She's talking about people in the church. They just wanted to talk to me. And it was like at that moment, the light clicked. It, the light came on and the, 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 the thing clicked in my brain. Oh, okay. I recognize I'm naturally wired to just go do tasks. But listen, it's important for me to connect with people. How many of you like it when I come back and say hi to you? Yeah, good. A few of you. They've got my friends over on this side. I'm going to preach to y'all today. So anyway, I'm glad that y'all. But listen, all of us have been influenced by people like that, and sometimes we aren't even aware that we were influenced by people like that. Because we need people in our life that are gifted and better at things than we are gifted and better at, so they can speak those things into our life, not so that we become gifted, but so that we can understand how to actually do that thing. That we can learn around and we can learn to walk around, if you're like me, and talk to people and say, hey, how are you doing? I got to tell you, I'm the pastor. There's so many people that I, I don't know you as well as I would like to know you that I go up and I introduce myself to you. Hey, man, it's great to have you. Is this your first time here? No, I've been coming for three months. Man, sorry about that. I must have missed you. Or have I ever met you? Yes, you've met me twice. You know, it's just the way that I'm wired. I'm forgetful sometimes. And so please have mercy and grace on me as I'm learning this thing. But the point is, is that we learn things from people all the time. We grow. We are better together. Listen, when I'm saying together, I'm not just saying kind of together in this room like we're together right now. I'm talking about us being together. I'm talking about us being connected together, where we're, where we're building relationships together. 
We're reaching the lost together. We're helping the hurting together. We're serving our city together. We're doing things in our community together. We're in a small group together. Because we're better together. Listen, you don't have to be in a relationship with us. But you need to be in a relationship with someone. In fact, here's what I would say. Being in relationships are the most important decisions that you'll ever make. In fact, if you want to know what you're going to look like in six months to a year from now, look at the people that you're hanging out with. Listen, and that's not designed for us to say, well, they've got to be perfect before I hang out with them. Listen, if you're hanging around a bunch of really ungodly people, they are going to drag you away from God, not towards God. But you get around some, some, some righteous people that are working through some stuff still in their life, you're going to become more like Christ by hanging out with them and spending time with them. We're better together. See, a lot of people struggle with loneliness. You can walk into a, a, a Sunday morning service and deal with loneliness. And too many people don't really have close friends that balance them out. I don't know about you, but I married somebody that's a lot different than me. She thinks differently than me. She responds differently than me. And I spent about the first seven years of my marriage trying to get her to be like me. Right? Y'all are nodding because y'all know what I'm talking about. But when I finally recognize that's the way she's wired, I've come to appreciate the way that she's wired. And I've learned things from her. She's learned things from me. And there's some things that I need to stop doing that she helps me with. There's some things that are just going to be different. We need people to balance us out. So I want to look today at what the Bible has to say and then give you a little teaching today I think that we can all learn from because it's not God's plan for you to be isolated. I know it's very popular that Christianity is just about me. I can just do Christianity at home all by myself. You can be a follower of Jesus Christ at home by yourself, but God called you and I to be a part of the body of Christ, which is what we are. So God's plan is for you to be connected with him and connected with others. So Genesis chapter one, I'm running a little bit late today, so y'all buckle up because I'm gonna go through this last part a little bit quicker. Genesis chapter one, verse 11 says this, then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Listen, it, it says that they're not just going to grow, but inside the thing that I'm going to create, they are going to be, look at this word, seed bearing. In, in other words, inside of the thing are more things like it. Plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. So what God was saying is that inside of every plant and inside of every tree, there are going to be acres of plants and trees inside those plants and trees. It's one of the things that's so amazing about God is that only God could shove forests of trees inside of the small seed. God is a God of potential. He creates every living thing with potential. You have potential today. And notice that they would bear fruit with seed in it. Even the ones they produce, they would have seed in them also. And that line that says, according to their various kinds, means so that they can have more like themselves. It's one of the reasons why your kids act like you, right? Now, we typically don't notice that when it's going well, but the moment our kid acts up and it's like our spouse, they're just like you. <laughs> they're a spitting image of you, right? Verse 12, and the land produced vegetation, so it happened, plants bearing seed according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. So again, God says, I'm going to create this system where I won't just create the thing, but I'm going to create the thing with the ability to create more things like it. 
I'm going to shove things like it inside of it. And he didn't just do it with plants and animals. He did it with you and I. But instead of just putting a generic seed inside of us, he put his seed inside of us. In fact, here's what it says in verse 27. So God created man. He said, I'm going to put my seed inside of you in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and he created them. Now watch this. First words out of God's mouth and first words are always very important in the word of God. And he says, God blessed them and said to them, be what? Fruitful and what? Increase. Some of your translations say multiply in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, I do believe this is a biological issue. And some of you, God bless you, you're doing that. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids. Way to go. But I also think that God wants us to be createful, created and be fruitful and multiply in every areas of our life. He wants you to do it. He wants your business to do it. He wants your marriage to do it. He wants your life to do it today. When God is in the middle of something, he wants there to be fruitfulness and increase or multiplication happening in our lives. So the question is, why doesn't it always happen? Well, why do we get stuck sometimes? The reason is, is we mess up the thing that creates fruitfulness and increase. Because in God's system, God has created a way for fruitfulness and increase to take place. And you know what it is. The thing couldn't just have the seed in them. It had to get with other things like them of the opposite gender in order for things to multiply. So that they, would be, they had to become intimate in order for multiplication to take place. So catch this. I've got a little slide here for you guys to see. God requires intimacy in order for things to to multiply. Look at that just a second. God requires intimacy in order for things to multiply. So you can have the seed or the potential inside of you, which every one of you do, and never see it if intimacy or connection doesn't take place. That's why when the devil comes on the scene in Genesis 2, I want you to, and I want you to understand something about the devil, because I think that if we don't understand how the devil operates, we're unable to fight against him. That's why the Bible says that we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. There's something you need to know about the devil, and it's not that he's just mean and nasty. All right, He is all that, but it's too shallow to think that he's just there to mess with your life and to make your life miserable. It's not even close. Satan has a goal, and it's to stop the process of intimacy. If he can stop intimacy between you and God and you and others, he'll stop fruitfulness and increase from happening in your life. So evil's not just there for evil's sake. Sin's just not there for sin's sake. The devil's just not sit there saying, I'm bad and I know it, and I'm here to make your life miserable. That's not his goal. He's trying to create damage on the inside of you so that you will never have intimacy with God or you'll never have intimacy with other people. Because if he can stop intimacy, he can keep you from multiplying. He can keep you from having fruitfulness and increase happening in your life. If you all understand what I'm saying, say amen. If he can get you messed up where you are actually guarded against all things intimate, is that not a picture of our society? Family members that are no longer intimate and connected, spouses or children or extended family, neighbors, right? He's, guarding, he's trying to keep you from being guarded against all things intimate because if he can do that, the seed, he can keep the seed that is inside of you or the potential that is inside you from ever producing something that is significant 
And just so you know, because there's something significant in your life, you feel it. You know it. It's why you get so dissatisfied with life sometimes. Because you know that your life was made for more than just this where you're at. God wants your life to be significant. That's why when the devil's on the scene, he's always killing the potential. All throughout the word of God, he's always killing babies. Have you ever noticed that? Listen, the devil is not like God. He is not all-knowing. So he doesn't know what could happen with those kids. He just knows that there's great potential inside of them. So he shows up and tries to kill the babies. So Satan hates the seed or the potential that is inside of you. Because he's not sure what you can do. But he knows that your potential is powerful. This is why, and catch this because I've got a slide for this one too. Satan's goal is to get between you and God and you and others to stop intimacy. Because if he can stop intimacy, he can stop multiplication, he can stop fruitfulness from happening in your life. He knows that if he can keep you from being intimate, keep you from being connected, like in a small group, like we're asking you to be connected, he can stop the potential that's in your life. Now it makes sense why we struggle relationally. First of all, with God, and also with others. We have relationships, but they're not intimate anymore. And it's really messing us up. It really is. It, it's really keeping us from understanding blind spots in our life and areas in our life where we could walk in the fullness of life that God has for us. Let me give you an example, and I've shared this example with you before. Porn. Porn isn't there to be something that is nasty and evil. It is all that, but that's not why it's there. Again, we're thinking too shallow. Porn is there to give you a sexual encounter without another person being present. So there isn't intimacy. And it's messing us up. And there are secular researchers, people outside of the church, sociologists, psychologists, they've come together and they are concerned. Again, they're not Christians because we are being messed up physiologically, psychologically, and sociologically. And they're pointing back to this issue of porn. And it's messing people up because it is genetically and chemically reprogramming people. And even when you try to get away from it and actually have a relationship with another person, intimacy isn't happening and we're getting messed up. The devil has done his ultimate goal and that's to stop intimacy so that he can stop the potential. But it isn't about porn. It's about stopping the closeness of being in relationship with people so that you never multiply, you never have fruitfulness or increase happening in your life. Another way the devil will do this is through divorce. Listen, the Bible says that God hates divorce. And I want to say this for every one of you that have walked through a divorce. Listen, God is a forgiving God and a loving God. All of us fail and miss the mark. And I'm not trying to just pick on just a few sins today. But I want you to understand why God hates divorce. Because we go, okay, pastor, why does God hate divorce? Well, because the guy stood there at the altar and said, I do, and he didn't, and now he doesn't anymore, and he should have, because he said, I do, right? (laughs) That's what we think. But that's not what the Bible actually says. It says this in Malachi 2, I hate divorce, but no one ever says, God, why do you actually hate divorce? You back up a couple of verses, and it says this, and what was the one God seeking? What was God looking for in marriage? Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be the faithless, be faithless to the wife of your youth. It was godly offspring. It was all about the potential in that couple. Are y'all seeing this? 
So the devil says, I'll create divorce and they'll never have kids. Or if they do have kids, they'll grow up wounded and maybe they'll stay isolated and never heal from their wounds. Or maybe not only will they be wounded, but they'll wound others. And I'll make it to where they'll never want to be intimate with anyone again. Again, remember we're talking about our past, leaving our past in our past. How many of you recognize it's easy for us to drag that past into our present reality? That's why the devil is working overtime at getting us offended. We need to become unoffendable. You know, you can become unoffendable where you make a decision that other people's actions are not going to determine my behavior. It's it's why he's working to get us offended with people all the time. Somebody says the wrong thing. In that moment, we have a choice. Am I going to be offended? We get offended either with God or we get offended with other people. Pastor Richie, I'm not offended with God. He just never does things that I want him to do. Right? I'm not offended with God. He just didn't do the thing that I wanted him to do, and now I'm bad at him. I'm not, I'm not offended with other people. I just don't like people. I just don't want to be around them. And we don't recognize that it's the scheme of the enemy to bring offense into our lives so that we push people out of our life. We run from God. The devil doesn't want us to have relationships. And if we have a relationship, he certainly doesn't want them to be healthy. But it's all about the seed. It is, it's all about the potential that is inside of every one of us. That's why the devil, why Jesus said this about the devil, that he is a thief, that he has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. You need to understand, anytime something is being stolen in your life, anytime something is being killed in your life, anytime something is being destroyed in your life, that is not God's plan for your life. We live in a fallen world and fallen things come into our lives because of the devil is a thief. That he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's plan for your life, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. I don't care what your past dictates, today's the first day of the rest of your life, and God wants you to walk in an abundant life. He's got an abundant plan for your life. I don't care how much you've missed the mark, I don't care what you did in failing God, God has an amazing plan for your life today. See, he died to forgive us of our sins and in the process provide a way to restore intimacy between us and a holy God. He provided healing, not only healing of our physical bodies, but healing of our emotions, healing of our soul, healing of past wounds, healing of our past, so that no matter what the enemy has tried to to do to you, Jesus came to restore you, to heal you. He came to be your savior. Listen, I talk to people a lot and there are a lot of people that they've been hurt in a church. And I understand that there are people inside of a church that sometimes do not act right. But listen, we can't allow what happened in the past to continue to drive us in the future. We need to forgive them and we just need to move on and let them go. Amen. Amen. We need to let them go. So I want to say to every one of you here today, there's tons of potential inside of every one of you. Tons of potential. You have the ability to do more, see more with your life than you ever thought possible. But you're going to have to become aware of the devil's schemes, the way the devil has stolen or is trying to steal from you because he's trying to steal the potential that is on the inside of you. You're going to have to make a decision that you're not going to allow past hurts to keep you from being in relationship with others. Listen, I know this is a little scary because at some level we all have intimacy issues. Every one of us, every one of us, we even though we, we get rid of the past and sometimes jump back and we, we have intimacy issues. And maybe you're saying, Pastor Richie, I'm not really ready to be that vulnerable yet. Maybe not. 
But today is the first day of the rest of your life, and the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And so today, you could take that first step by saying, today I'm going to sign up for a small group. I'm going to be freaked out going back there to sign up. I'm going to be freaked out the first week that I show up. But I'm signing up today. Today I'm going to take my first step. And listen to me. Don't leave today to go say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray about it. Let me tell you, I prayed for you about it. God says, go ahead and sign up. All right? Don't let the devil steal from you anymore. Don't let the devil steal. Sign up today before you go. Get connected. Because listen, the devil is afraid of the potential that is inside of you. As a church, we barely begin to scratch the surface of all the potential that lies inside of this congregation. People that are going to be preachers of the word of God. People that are going to be missionaries and evangelists. People that are going to be camera operators. People that are going to work in children's area that you're going to influence the next Billy Graham. People inside of you that you're going to, you're going to be an usher or a greeter. And you're going to welcome somebody as they walk through the door that was this close to committing suicide. And your smiling face and your joyful attitude is going to bring life into them. We just barely begin to scratch the surface of what we're going to do worship-wise as we start writing albums, albums that are going to go all over the world, as we continue to grow and influence this city because we want everyone to understand the love and hope that's found in Christ Jesus. We barely begin to scratch the surface, and I'm telling you today, there's more inside of you than you realize is inside of you, and the devil wants to do everything that he can to keep what's inside of you, inside of you, but God wants that potential to come out in a manifestation of an amazing life that he has for you. But I'm telling you, it happens through intimacy. It happens through having people in your life, allowing people to speak into your life, you speaking into other people's lives. Some of you are going, I'm disqualified because of my journey. Man, I've been a drug addict, or I've just lived this horribly sinful life. You don't recognize that your your testimony is going to actually be life to somebody that's going to walk through these doors that is in that moment dealing with the exact same thing, and you're going to say, oh yeah, I know what it's like to be an alcoholic. I know what it's like to be a drug addict. Hey, I know what it's like to go through a divorce. Hey, I know what it's like to fail in business. Hey, I know what it's like to make a fool of myself. It's about intimacy. It's about the seed and the potential that's inside of you. So I want to encourage you today. Sign up before you go. Let me pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.